Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 156. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Lisa Schroeder. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? I better be because I got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> All right, let's do this. So, uh, 23 years ago, Schroeder was driven by a vision of creating a restaurant that served food that only a mother would make. Schroeder would devote the next eight years of her life studying at the Culinary Institute of America, traveling, staging, working, training to develop the skills she would need to be successful. In 2000, her vision became reality when she opened Mother's Bistro and Bar in Portland, Oregon. In 2004, she opened her second location, Mamma Mia Trotteria, uh, and that was just down the street. Both restaurants have earned numerous accolades. On top of all of this, Schroeder is a mother, grandmother, author, and is extremely involved in her community. Chef, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you're all about, and I can't wait to get your story. But before we do, let's get that inspirational, motivational ball going with success <laughs> quote. So what do you have for us? Well, bottom line is, is success doesn't happen in a vacuum. It takes a ton of hard work to be successful in this business. And if you're not willing to work hard, you will not succeed. I love it. And I have to admit, when I was doing my research on you, Chef, um, you picked me up. You got me inspired. You got me motivated. It took eight years of just showing up every day to be committed right. to this vision you had. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, thank you for picking me up today because I needed it uh, <laughs> with this podcast. <laughs> and I know other people out there who are just trying to, you know, make their dream into a reality. Uh, you're a great example of what it takes. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So uh, we got your success quote. I'm amped. I'm sure the folks at home are amped too. Um, let's find out a little bit more about you. And I guess start with when did you know that this was going to be your career? Like when did you hit the switch and just was there a moment that really just stands out to you? Absolutely. You know, I was raised to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm a Jewish girl from Philadelphia. You know, it would never occur to me that I would be working or slaving away in a kitchen. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mother had a restaurant before I was born, so part of that was in my genes, and I was always surrounded by uh, good food and cooking. And um, so I started out in a career path of wanting to go to law school, but um, things didn't quite work out that way. I became pregnant sooner than I expected. I was raising my daughter. I had to work. And so my career took a different tangent, and I ended up getting into marketing. And one of my jobs was for Weight Watchers International, and I was doing um, business plans, annual plans, budgets, and spending 13 hours a day at a job I didn't love, but all the while cooking on the side. I catered on the side. I read books about food. Every magazine there was about food. And every waking minute was spent focusing on food when I wasn't working my tush off in marketing. And then finally, after one day, after my 13th hour at my job, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for my daughter and husband for dinner. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, I could do Thai, Mexican, Chinese, pizza, burgers. But there was no place to get mother food, mm. the kind of food that I would make if I had the time. And um, I was just thinking to myself, wow, there needs to be a place that serves that kind of stuff. And so from that moment on in 1992, I decided I was 
going to open up a restaurant called Mothers. I already had a vision of what it was going to look like. Uh, there'd be pictures of mothers and children on the wall. I'd serve home cooking for mothers around the world. But at the time, I did not feel I was ready. I was, I was in marketing. I'd been in the business world. But I had not, um, I had not actually cooked uh, for a living, and I didn't feel like I knew what I needed to do to be successful. So from that moment, I applied to the Culinary Institute of America because I knew that my time was going to come up at Weight Watchers. There were tons of layoffs. I knew my number was going to come up. Mm -hmm. And so I applied to the CIA, and I got accepted, and that's where I started to get the ball rolling to change my career. Yeah, I mean, you're doing this all, like, got kind of a late start, and I think that's something that's worth mentioning, too, because so many people, they think, you know, it's too late, like, I missed my my opportunity, but you didn't really commit to this vision until you were, I, I don't know exactly, but I know it wasn't, like, straight up, like, you were, in your 30s, what was it? Before you well, no, and that's a really good point. I was 33 years old when I applied to the Culinary Institute of America. And, you know, okay, first of all, a lot of people say this industry is for young people and all that. You know what? It doesn't matter what the age is. It's a matter of an individual. Mm. So, I mean, and the other point is um, – it's never too late to change careers. We only have one life to live, and to spend one's life feeling that one is um, sentenced to some job that one doesn't love because it makes good money, mm-hmm. what a shame, what a waste of a life. So, no, I just, needed, I just needed to follow my passion. I knew life was too short to spend, every, to spend it in a job I did not love. I didn't care that I didn't have any money when I went to school, and it didn't matter to me if I wasn't going to make a killing when I got out of the CIA. What was important was that I followed my passion because I knew if I did, I would be successful. I love it. I really, I really do. I think it's really important. I, you know, I'm 57 years old. I still work the line with my guys. Excuse my French, but fuck the thing about <laughs> age. It has nothing to do with one's ability. Yeah, I can or tell. Stamina. You are a spitfire. I can tell for sure that age <laughs> isn't going to get in your way. And I just love how how it sounded like you were just so intentional with the way you're living. I think that's something that comes with age. When we're younger, we're we're more reactional. But when you do things, when you're when you get a little bit more seasoned you're so much more proactive in how you lead your life and the steps you're taking it sounds like from that in that eight year period you're just so intentional with what you're doing and everything was with the purpose to learn to get to that next step would you say that's true absolutely i mean you know i went to the cia with the idea that i'm opening up a restaurant called mothers so even when we're every aspect of that school i'm saying in the back of mind okay how am i going to apply it to my vision mm. then when i'm working at Les cirque and Les Pinas in new york city and we're throwing away half the vegetable to have the perfect square on the plate. I'm swearing to myself, I'm not going to have a restaurant where that only feeds the rich. I'm not going to have a restaurant where we throw away food. It's a crime against the universe. Mm. So, you know, everything I did, yes, for those eight years was getting me to open the restaurant of my dreams. Um, so I really did have goals. But, you know, life Goals change in life, mm-hmm. and um, you know I was very directed. I was ready to do mothers. Mm-hmm. Awesome, I love it. Well, uh, I think we've learned mo- enough about your story, how you got to where you are today. Now we're gonna find out more about you, Chef. What is it that makes Chef Schroeder successful? What are your it factors? If you could just narrow it down to like two or three characteristics or habits. Well, you know. Um, Number one, I can do every job in my restaurant. I think that this is a really, to be successful in the restaurant business, I believe personally, one should be able to do every job in the restaurant. I can wait tables, I can bus, dishwasher, line cook, expedite 
prep, greet the guests, make the cocktails, so nobody has me by the proverbial balls. I mean, I got to tell you, it's like this way. Somebody calls in sick, somebody doesn't show. I'm not stuck. Mm -hmm. My restaurant goes on. I can't believe I don't really watch reality shows, but I, I know that there's one show where somebody says, shut her down. In what world do you shut down a restaurant? Who can do that? I don't know. So, so that's, not, that's not an option. So one thing is is that I can do every job in the restaurant, and that makes me really versatile, and it keeps me afloat. The other thing is I am driven and I'm determined. I mean, nothing will get in my way. I will do whatever it takes to get a job done. I, I, I'm kind of a force to be reckoned with. I can totally tell. It totally comes out <laughs> listening to you talk, and uh, the passion and the energy that is just there. It's it's great. Uh, and talk a little bit more about how um, you know this experience you think you had. The eight years you committed to just learning the industry pays towards being able to do all the jobs. Absolutely. Well, you know, a lot of people, first of all, let's, let's face it. So many people get into the restaurant business thinking it's a party, right? Mm -hmm. People think they're going to retire and then open up a restaurant. <laughs> That's no retirement. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, um, the, the, one of the things is, is, and not only do I know, by the way, the, the, how to work in a restaurant, but before that I had a career, right? So I know numbers. I worked in marketing. I looked at P&Ls and budgets and marketing plans mm -hmm. and annual plans before I opened up my restaurant so I know about numbers. And one must know what your targeted numbers are in the restaurant business in order to be successful. So, and one thing I learned at the CIA, the rule is my, my fixed cost can't be, well, my labor and my food cost, liquor and all that can't be over 30% each. So a total of 60%. And if ever my numbers get over that, then we start to worry. Mm -hmm. But um, my point is, is I know how to. I knew how to look at numbers. I paid my dues. I had been in the business world. So coming into this industry a little older, I had a lot of information because you have to be extremely versatile in the restaurant business. You have to know everything from cooking to how to pay, a, to pay a bill, to how to write a check, to how to look at your numbers. And because I was older when I got into the business, I had a lot of that information so that I was uh, successful out of the box. Chef, I feel like we learn best through stories. Is there a story, like a funny story, just a crazy story, maybe a heartfelt story you can share with us where this ability to just be so, I don't know, uh, malleable with the different roles you can fit in your restaurant really shown through? Um, well, you know, invariably, uh, it's so amazing, but around Mother's Day, everything always reaches a crescendo at my restaurant, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, it's not my busiest day. In fact, it's my least favorite uh, day at my <laughs> restaurant because everything is reserved and yeah. everybody's extremely demanding, mm -hmm. but um, invariably, when Mother's Day would come, somebody would quit no notice. Um, something would happen, and one Mother's Day, I, it was when I had both my restaurants, which, by the way, I sold, um, and we can go into that story after, but I sold my restaurant, Mamma Mia Trattoria, four years ago. But when I had both restaurants and I decided, oh, let me have Mother's Day brunch at my Italian restaurant, too, even though I don't serve brunch there, but I had so many people wanting to eat brunch at Mother's, I needed to kind of capitalize on that, uh, the people knocking on our doors because we would turn away 
away thousands of people every holiday. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to serve Mother, um, Mother's Day brunch at Mamma Mia. I've got my Mother's Day brunch at Mother's to contend with where we'll feed a thousand people. And my chef at the time got so messed up the day before. I mean, oh, on all sorts of uh, narcotics or whatever. And um he ended up not showing up the next day and I had to, and he quit obviously, quit no notice and that was the end of the story, but I had to gather everybody, human being that could ever be willing to help me to show up at one restaurant and help me get through the other restaurant and we prevailed, mm. but it's no matter how many obstacles I think I have just to get through the holiday invariably something will come along and just add that one more thing where you say, oh my god, how can I go on? Mm. And then we just, the show has to go on. There is no shutter down. Yeah, and I, I think that those it factors of both your determinism and your drive, combined with that ability to wear all those different suits really comes out in that story. Uh, but now, I feel like we got to talk about a failure. You did a great job sharing a story of where your it factors really came out, but I think we learn most from those failures. So tell us about a time, Chef, where you just fell hard on your ass with a failure. Well, i got to <laughs> tell you, Mama Mia Trotteria was not a failure not, was not a financial failure, but it was a failure for me personally. Mm. Why? I opened up Mama Mia Trotteria in Portland, Oregon, because I wanted to eat chicken parmesan. I'm an East Coast girl. I couldn't get meatballs and parmesan to save my life. And so when the space became available so close to Mother's Eye and a nice storm hit that allowed me to sit down and actually write a business plan for another restaurant, I jumped on it and I opened up this other restaurant. And... Uh, you know, here I am, I can look at numbers, I can see, you know, I know how to run a business, and there I was running back and forth between two restaurants, and I did it for almost six years. But what my motivation for opening up Mother's was to provide the world with a place that served mother food. Mm-hmm. My motivation to open up Mamma Mia was to serve chicken parmesan and maybe make a, a killing, because I figured Italian food should be a no-brainer, right? Mm-hmm. It should be a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, that's the wrong motivation. I, you, one should not be motivated for money in the the restaurant business, and we could talk more about that later. But so that was my motive. Well, after four years at Mamma Mia, I'm looking at my numbers, and I am not making a killing. I, I, you know, we were just barely, yeah, we were making a little bit of a profit, but one does not open up a second restaurant for just a little more profit. Who needs it? It's twice the amount of work. It's like having two children, and I'm a hands-on person, so I literally was running myself ragged. Mm. Finally, after four years, I said, you know, this life is too short to spend every waking minute working. Um, We took some uh, action to try to see ways of bringing down costs because all my numbers looked like they were in line. So we went from cloth napkins to paper napkins to maybe cut on the linen and maybe we'll get more profitable there. We tried, um, you know, putting cheese instead of grating the cheese. This way we put on the tables for people to help them. We took a number of steps to try to become more profitable. Mm Um, and when um, all that failed, we really I did not know why it wasn't successful. Now, I'll tell you two things. Number one, cameras. No matter what advice I give anybody today on the phone, you must get cameras in your restaurant, especially by your bar. That was one lesson I learned. I, you know, when I wasn't there, the, the mice were playing. When the cat was away, things were going on in that restaurant because I couldn't be in two mm-hmm. places at, at both times. So very important lesson, I didn't have cameras. 
And what happened was on one of my, uh, you know, really frustrating, I finally figured out why I wasn't successful. We got stung by the Oregon Liquor Commission. Um, they came in and they, my bartender, who would have carded a 90-year-old man, decided not to card a guest. He served her alcohol. Turns out she was underage. Mm. They came back in. They said, um, hey, you just served a minor. And they said, and by the way, after finding us and telling us all the things we did wrong, they said, we need our money back for the drink we paid you. They paid cash. Guess what? He hadn't rung it in. That's when the light bulb went off in my brain. Oh, my God, wait a minute. All these four years when he had a smile on his face the whole time, even when the business was dead, he was smiling because he figured out a way to keep my liquor costs the same and not be held accountable for them getting high and him pocketing money. He would bring in an occasional bottle of liquor and pour from that. Wow. Never occurred to me. I would, you know, then all of a sudden the light bulb went off and I said, oh, that's why he'd come in with a bottle now and then. I was thinking <laughs> it was to just kind of get inventory back up to where it needed to be. We needed a bottle of Stoli, for example. No. Pouring liquor from that bottle didn't affect my food, the, uh, the liquor costs. Wow. So anyway, the bottom line is, is why was Mama Mia a mistake? Mama Mia was a mistake because I should have kept my eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. I should have focused exclusively on mothers. It was always the dream. And the lesson I learned is polish the apple. Make that one restaurant you have the best it can be. Expand that. Stay in that space and see if you can take over the next door or, or go higher. Yeah, but I, I another it. restaurant is not necessarily more money more and who cares about fame it does it's just more work yeah and unless you're doubling your profits i really don't think it's worth the extra work i think one should stay focused on on one's dream no i i love what you're saying one of the reasons why i i started this podcast was to prove that point that you can't chase money in this industry you chase your passion change what you love and it's that ability just to live your dream and to to do all the things that you did for that first restaurant. I mean, I'm trying to make an example of people like you, and I'm so happy that you just admitted that chasing money was yes. a mistake. Uh, it was. <laughs> it's- absolutely. I really believe anybody who gets into this business for money is absolutely barking up the wrong tree. Mm-hmm. A total, total, uh, uh, totally a waste of energy because you're, your net profit in this business, if you're lucky before taxes is 10%, if you're lucky, that's a lot of hard work to get to um, to profit. Absolutely. Nobody who got into this injury who is anybody did it because they're looking to get rich. They did it because they're right. looking to follow a dream. So great lesson to be had here. Awesome stuff. Um, we have crushed the first half of this interview, Chef. And we're going to dive into the part of the interview now that I call Knowledge Bombs. It's a speed round. You're going to blow us away with industry bombs of knowledge. Are you ready? Okay. All right. The first question I have for you, Chef, is what advice do you have for raising that initial capital to get started? Well, times have changed from when I first started to, you know, when I was going to open up a restaurant. There was no such thing as Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But i got to be honest, I think Kickstarter is in some ways a bit of bullshit. Mm-hmm. When I was going to open up my restaurant, all I had was either finding angels or SBA loans. And um, I got an SBA loan. But um, in order to get an SBA loan, number one, you need to have money. And I had to have somebody gift me some money to get 
because they don't want to give you money if you don't have a stake in the business. Yeah. And the problem with Kickstarter is so many people ask for money and have no stake in the business. Mm-hmm. So people who donate to these restaurants that are trying to expand or trying to open, I think the the restaurant tour has to be held accountable. If you don't have something at stake, you're not going to succeed. So even if you get money, you have to have a skin in the game. So the the advice in getting that capital is having skin in the game. Have skin in the game. All right, I, <laughs> I just you, that's the only way you're going to get people wanting to invest in you. Yeah, you know, I think you said just the, you know having people invest in you is another important thing. They're not in, they're investing in who you are. And one thing I've noticed about you is you're awesome. You're a great person. <laughs> so people want to invest in great people. So be great. And I think that's something that just is kind of like a a bottom line. Like it's you're not saying it, but I'm picking up on it. And have competence. One must be competent. You have to be competent. So don't think that you could just kind of willy-nilly decide I'm going to open up a restaurant and people are going to throw money at you. Know know what you need to know to be successful, and then you will find people wanting to believe in you and invest in you. I love it. So what advice do you have for hiring good people? Well, number one thing is I have on my job application a thing called a common sense test. I got it from Parade Magazine. There's like the genius that people ask questions of, and somebody asked her, how do you test for common sense? She had this test on there, and now it is part of my job application. If people overthink these questions, they're going to overthink my statements to them while they're working for me. And cooking is really simple. Go to the walk-in, get the onion, chop the onion. If I have somebody wondering, what kind of onion? Where did the onion come from? Where, you know, anyway, this common sense test, I test people for common sense before I even get them in the door. And the other thing is pay well. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay well. I was so underpaid as a cook in the business. I... It's a sin. It's a crime what I was paid, but I was willing to accept it so I can say, hey, I have this restaurant on my resume, and it helped me go up the ladder. And, of course, famous restaurants know that's one way they have cooks is by uh, doing that. But it's borderline um, exploitation, to be honest with you, and I just never believed in doing that to anybody who works for me. So pay well, and it will reward you. I love it. And I'm curious, you said this common sense test. Where where did you find this? Is it online? Can we find it anywhere? Um, it was not, but if you want, I will email it to you, and your listeners can get it from you. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Will that work for you? Yes. Thank you so much. I will get that to you, and then you can share that with your listeners. You're the best. All right. The next question is, when you find good people, Chef Schroeder, what do you do to keep them on your team? Well, number one, I didn't wait for Obamacare to have health benefits. I believe that everybody is um, entitled to health care, and so I've offered it from day one. So um, provide them with benefits. Um, I have a 401K. I repeat pay well. Um, and also, you know, listen to your staff. Listen to your what they're saying. When, my, when one of my staff members has an idea, hey, why don't we do blah? I'm like, hey, wow, that's really a great idea. Let's do that. Compliment them. You know, we all need a compliment. We all need an attaboy. If you're somebody does a job well done, give them an attaboy. Compliment them. Pat them on the back. I thank my staff every day because without them, I don't get a day off. So <laughs> I, I try I try to show them the love. Show them the love, and they will give you the love right back. And what does that do, Chef, when you do compliment them and you do listen to them? What does that do for them? Well, what does it do for you? 
<laughs> I realized for me, one day somebody said, wow, you did this really well. And I thought to myself, God, I really love it when I get a compliment. I get so few. So it's nurturing for me. And if that's how I feel, imagine how they feel when the boss says, wow, you really kill it. Mm, awesome. And um, so I really, I really do listen and compliment. And, and I tell them how much I appreciate them. I don't know if it works or not, but I know that I really appreciate them. And I've got to let them know. I love it. So the next question, Chef, is there a book or a resource, uh, a must-read? It doesn't have to be a hospitality book. It can be any kind of book that you think is a must-read for anybody looking to get into this industry. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't look at it as into the industry. What I, you know, I, gotta, I, I guess food and wine and Bon Appetit, and I get all these magazines, none of which are really helpful for running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I subscribe to a lot of the online, um, it's not called coagulation, but it's something like that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, a smart brief. American Express does a smart brief, and quite honestly, it kind of consolidates all the articles that might have been written in this thing or that magazine, and it, it, um, I find that there's a lot of relevant information there. You know, what do millennials want to eat? What does this one want to do? And what does this restaurateur do? So a smart brief, um, which is an online newsletter that cons- uh, consolidates lots of different sources of information. But, you know, I just stay, I stay on everything. I read everything I can that's related to the business and I just kind of try to keep up on it everywhere but that's the one thing I would recommend all right and that was American Express smart brief smart brief s-m-a-r-t brief awesome thank you all right the next question I have for you chef is on the topic of marketing if you could just drop one bomb of industry marketing what would it be say yes what do I mean say yes PR is, of course, the best way to market a restaurant. Nobody comes to a restaurant because you have, a, you have an ad in the paper or you're offering something on sale. And, P.S., you don't want those people. I believe if there's a charity event and they're looking for a bunch of restaurants to put out a bite of food where 500 people are going to walk through, say yes. Mm. Do it. Because, one, you're giving back to the community. Two, it's almost free advertising. It's only costing you the bite of the food. And three, you get to get your you get to meet your future guests right there. Mm-hmm. Your card is there, your face is there, and go. I don't send other people to go to these events. I am there. I am the face of my restaurant and I am there to meet my potential guests. So when somebody asks you to participate in a charity event, say where you could actually be present and serving the food say yes. I love it. And you know, when I first started asking this question, it's funny because I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know where it was going to go. I, I, I think I originally, I thought people were going to give me all these different tricks of the trade, blah, blah, blah. But all, as I'm going, I'm learning that the best thing you can do is just to be great and to give and be generous and to get yep. involved with your community. And yes. it's right there in your backyard. You just got to get involved and be a part of it. And uh, I can see that with you and all the things you do. It's great. And well, one of my mantras is you give, you get. Oh, I if love it. If you just give, don't be tight-fisted. Give, and, and it will come back to you. You don't wait, sit there and wait, and you don't keep an accounting. 
but just have the faith and it will come back to you. Um, and just one other little tit, tidbit that I really wanted to share. You know, so many restaurants will say buy one, get one free, you know, and whatever they're marketing or whatever. One little trick I learned is just give it away. When mothers, we, we opened originally for three meal periods. Um, then it was just too much. Breakfast wasn't busy enough. We went to lunch and dinner. Then we decided to go back to breakfast again because people were knocking on our doors daily from having come to our weekend brunches. Mm. And when I went back to breakfast, I did a card that said, um, uh, come in for a free breakfast on us. I, I mailed the card out to all the local uh, you know, um, population. Why did I give away a free breakfast? Because ultimately, somebody's going to come with someone else. Mm. More often than not, they're not going to eat alone. So essentially, you're giving buy one, get one free, but you're not putting the rules on it. And I just feel like that that generosity is appreciated, and it really will bring people into taste. So it. my little trick is give it away for free. Have the faith; they'll come, they'll bring friends, and you'll wow them. And it'll it'll be great PR and bring them back. Awesome advice, thank you. The next question, Chef, is on the topic of technology. What advice or what technologies are you using, front of house, back of house, that can increase profitability, uh, efficiency, and Anything that just makes your business run better, are you using in your restaurant right now? The most amazing change in our business, and I wish every restaurant should need such a program. You should be so lucky as to need Nosh List. Mm. Well, I think they might have now changed it to Waitlist Me. But it is a, um, a an iPad app that allows us to add guest names and um, wait times. And it's a, a, a waitlist management program that allows us to text our guests when their table is ready and um, and then send them a, also phone call them if they don't respond to the text. It has changed our lives. Heretofore, we had a paging program, or we used to shout out names even before that and we serve 950 people brunch on a Saturday and Sunday between 8 and 2.30 and so this has become a vital piece of our operation and when they first launched it, it was free and it still is, but I actually choose to pay the $19 a month because I feel it's really worth it to me it mm. is so amazing I just went to the website, it's, it is called Waitlist Me and there is a free version Yeah, and uh, I'm currently looking into something like this I know that I've heard of No Wait, which is similar, but these apps uh, just make it's just plugging a great system and process into your restaurant. Uh, that Absolutely, everyone happy. It's I gotta learn more about this. Thanks for sharing. And that I just us. hope other restaurants need it. It means you're busy enough where you <laughs> yeah. need a wait list, so that's a blessing. Great. Yes, absolutely. All right. The next question I have for you, Chef: If you could go back in time and you could go to your version of yourself when you're it's 2000 and you're making this decision to commit yourself. Oh, sorry, it's 1992, and you made the decision to commit yourself to this career. What's one piece of business advice you could give yourself? Well, actually, let's go back to when I just opened the restaurant. And okay. the best piece of advice I could have given myself when I was opening the restaurant was don't settle for a less than stellar staff with amazing experience. Mm. I sold myself short. Also, I thought I could train people on the job. You cannot train people to be great servers while you're opening up a restaurant. Mm. You have to know that you deserve the best staff and you have to hire the best staff to give you the kind of performance you need when you're opening a restaurant. And the biggest mistake I made was not being as picky and thinking I could hire, oh, well, that person 
person may not know, but I can show them. Oh, no, no. When you're launching a restaurant, you need the most amazing people in every position, and you don't have time to train the minutiae of giving great service. So uh, in, in retrospect, I would have hired the best, expected the best, and not settled for less. Wow, awesome advice. Great. And uh, those are all the questions I had for you, Chef. Is there one question you think I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Well, I think a great question is, is why did you want to open up a restaurant? What possessed you to want to open up a restaurant? <laughs> so, Chef, what is the reason? Why did you want to open a restaurant? I know you kind of touched on it, but really drive it home. Well, I really believed that the world needed a place that served mother food, mm -hmm. that there is no place to get home cooking from mothers around the world anywhere, even to this day. It was true in 1992, and it's still true in 2015. I'm, uh, I've got a unique restaurant. Each month we feature the cuisine of a different mother. We tell her story and have her picture on the menu. Every day is Mother's Day at Mother's. And so I believe that my restaurant needed to exist, and I had to be the one to make it happen. I love it. You've been great, Chef. And we're going to wrap it up now. We wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one independently owned restaurant owner or professional you admire and think would make a great guest mentor like you have for us today on the show? Well, I thought about actually two. There's uh, John Gorham here in Portland. He's got a number of restaurants, Toro Bravo, Tasty and Alder, Tasty and Sons, and now he just opened up an event space. And he's got some great formulas. Not the same as me, very different way of running a business, but for him it's been a real success, and his food is consistently delicious and wonderful. And I've always had great experiences there. And there is another fellow here in town named Kurt Hoffman, and he's a brilliant guy who has a, a bevy of restaurants uh, through a company he started called Chef's Table. Um, and he's a restaurateur, not necessarily hands-on, runs a big company. John, I think, is a little more hands-on, but either one would be a great addition to your show. Kurt uh, Hoffman and John uh, Gorham? Yes, G-O-R-H-A-M. Uh, beautiful. Look out, gentlemen. I am coming after you. Uh, thank you for those incredible recommendations. And uh, let the folks at, know, at home know, um, if they want to come work for you at Mother's Bistro and Bar, how can they connect? Uh, they can call me uh, at Mother's at 503-464-1122. They can also email me at Mother's Bistro, all one word, at gmail.com. But it's super hard work. I do spend most of my interview trying to convince people why they don't want to work for me <laughs> <laughs> um, because it is so hard. But if you want to succeed in the business and work in a place that's super busy and will train you how to work fast and efficiently while simultaneously putting out delicious and amazing food, then uh, Mother's is the place. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chef Schroeder, for coming on the show, uh, sharing your stories and advice with us. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm glad to have been on. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much, Lisa Schroeder. You are awesome. Such a great guest. Awesome advice. So much energy. You definitely got me inspired. Uh, just the story of, you know, making that commitment, having your vision, having your goals, 
and just dedicating yourself and giving yourself or getting yourself the experience you needed to get to where you wanted to be. I think we could all just take, uh, you know, a, a lesson from that uh, story. It's really, really great. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For a summary of everything we spoke about uh, with links to the resources and tools uh, Lisa suggested today, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Lisa Schroeder, and you'll find links to everything right there. Uh, like always, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I am always looking for suggestions on guests to have, um, so just let me know. Tell me who you want to ha- have on the show. I'll do everything humanly possible to get them as a guest, or maybe just give me an idea for a topic, and I'll do some research or get an expert on the show that might be able to help us all out. And don't forget to check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools and restaurantunstoppable.com slash book for a complete list of all the books and services and tools our successful guest mentors are using and suggesting uh, the, the resources they use to give themselves the knowledge they needed to get to where they are today. You have access to these tools too, all right there at slash books and slash tools. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for sticking around. Until next time, peace out.